0: This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views
1: and debate from England's second tier.
0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Jackson, and I'm joined, as always, by the irrepressible George Smith. George, how are you doing?
1: Oh, not bad, mate, not bad. How's anything with yourself?
0: Yes, not too bad. Uh, Steady start with Rovers, obviously the game is tomorrow night against Preston, so won't be discussing any Blackburn on this week's podcast, but um, they really need a win tomorrow night away at Preston if they're to keep their, which in, in real in all realism is a, a faint playoff hopes alive. Uh, probably got to take nine points from their last three games if they're going to do that. So we shall see. But plenty of other action going off in the Championship, which we're going to break down, of course, over the next hour or so. So to just kick things off, a quick reminder to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast feed, which you can find on all your usual platforms, and make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at Champ Chat Pod24. And on today's podcast, we'll be analysing a big weekend where the re- relegation battle was sewn up and the automatic race took another twist. This is the Championship Chat Podcast. And we're going to start with a little bit of news that occurred on Tuesday night, in fact, where Fulham were officially promoted to the Premier League. Congratulations to them. I think we've had this as an all-but-formality for the last three months, if we're, if we're being truthful. They've just been the best team in the league, quite simply. 99 goals scored, with three matches still to spare, so they're going to break that that 100-goal marker. Um, 41 goals in as many games for Alexander Mitrovic, which is quite simply put a br- record-breaking at this level, when you think that Ivan Toney only broke the record to get to 31 last year. And in fairness... Although we we can be flippant about Fulham's success and we can say parachute money and we can say we've known they're going up for a while, there's no guarantees at this level. Look at West Brom, look at Sheffield United, um, and Marco Silva's done this in an attractive way and a in a cool way, calm way, and he deserves credit for the faith he's shown in someone like Fabio Carvalho, who's been, in my opinion, probably should be up for the. Um, players for the the full gong at the Player of the Year Awards which is tonight as we record on Sunday night rather than young player I think he's probably been in the top three players in the Championship this season full stop with Mitrovic and Brendan Johnson would be my three if I'm honest I think they would be the three and two of those are for young players so he deserves a lot of credit for the way he's developed him of course he's going to go to Liverpool we'll see where he goes next might go back on loan to Fulham we don't know and they've been incredibly consistent uh, incredibly dangerous and simply the best team in the league Probably goes under the radar. They've got the third best defensive record in the Championship. Only Nottingham, Forest and Bournemouth have conceded fewer goals and that's only by one or two goals in both teams. So could easily finish the, the season with the best attack and the best defence, which when they're still peddling a 34-year-old Tim Ream at centre-back is you know, a testament to the way they keep the ball. Um, I don't think they're the best team defensively in terms of defending against the team that wants to attack at them. I think they retain possession so well at this level that obviously they're going to have a level of dominance that means defensively they they don't concede many chances. That said, uh, that deserves credit nonetheless. And he's used the squad really well and Fulham simply deserve to be back in the Premier League and we'll see if third time in in recent history they can uh, have a better go of it and not completely dissemble the squad
1: that's got them there. Indeed, and I think already that's the that's the worry that I've got about Fulham's achievement, which obviously has been terrific. They've been excellent all season long and they fully deserve the promotion that they've secured and almost certainly the title is gonna follow. They're very close to that now. Um but yeah, like you say, hopefully it's gonna be third time looking where they can get there and, and build and stay there because obviously when myself and you were younger, Fulham were always a Premier League side, they always were, they were obviously many years ago that running the Europa League when they had the likes of Zoltan. I think here. my
0: fondest memory is when the the great escape under Roy Hodgson in two thousand seven yeah. or two thousand eight when they were actually Something two like they were getting relegated at Man City, they were two nil down away at Man City and they were coming back to win three two. Danny Murphy scored a penalty and they actually yeah. ended up staying
1: staying up. Brian McBride was an absolute cult hero that year for them. <laughs> quite astonishing really when you think about it because obviously it was the same for Blackburn as well they were always a Premier League side weren't they when me, me and you were younger but Fulham yeah I think now is the time where they've got to put a real plan together of what they want as a long-term vision to make themselves a sustainable Premier League club and obviously that is the, the planning that will I'm sure already be in motion now that the promotion is secured and it's probably been going on for several months in fact it's always seemed pretty likely that it will get over the line so full credit to them like you said they've had big money. They've had very, very good players, but it doesn't guarantee success. A lot of things have got to go right. And as we've seen in many circumstances in the past, it doesn't always quite work the way it should on paper. But obviously for Fulham, it has. And I think when you look back to that start to this year they had, when they won the first three games after Christmas... They scored 19 goals in three games, a 7-0 win at Reading and back-to-back 6-2 wins at home against Bristol City and Birmingham. That's got to be a record of some kind, hasn't
0: it? I can't imagine
1: any other championship team scored 19 goals in three successive games. (laughs) Bonkers, isn't it? But it's what they've done all season. And Let's not forget as well this season, they've won 7-0 twice away from home. They scored five at Swansea. They scored four at Nottingham Forest, which with the way they've been ever since is like an amazing result, really, when you think about it. So they deserve to have secured promotion. There's no doubt about that. And obviously it's been helped by having Alexander Mitrovic at the top end of the pitch. I mean, what that man's achieved this season is nothing short of absolutely sensational. Let's be totally honest. I mean, 41 goals. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Just one away now from equaling Guy Whittingham's record in a second tier season of 42 two direct goal contributions away from 50 for the season, goals and assists. When you've got somebody doing that at the top end of the pitch, you're going to get promoted and and so it's proven. So for me now, for Fulham, it's all about how they put a plan together to get to the Premier League and stay there because that's got to be the objective. And the thing is, they've already got some very good individual talent in that squad. It's just about how they freshen things up, certainly in in the defence. But going forward, if you can get a couple of good technical players to provide Mitrovic and give him the service, You've got a player who will score goals in the Premier League, there's no doubt about it, if you get the service right.
0: Yeah, I think the team's got to be tailored around him, which it wasn't last time. Um in terms of the obviously the title, they would have we would be congratulating them on winning the championship, of course, had it not been for a ninety eighth minute penalty in their one all draw against Bournemouth at the weekend. I have to say I, I think it was soft. I don't think it's a penalty, if I'm in, in all truth. Um I think it was Adam Smith, Harry Wilson on Adam Smith. I don't think it was a penalty. I think it was soft. And that obviously has denied them the title for another week. But in truth, they're, they're definitely going to win it in all reality. Um, Bournemouth, of course, are now five points away from Nottingham Forest. And I know Huddersfield are third, but Huddersfield have played two games extra. So I'm afraid I'm not counting them in this race for automatic promotion. It's not, it's not there. Bournemouth, of course, are on the same amount of games as Forest. And... Five points in it with uh, obviously a very tasty game to come at the Vitality and the penultimate game of the season. So that took another twist this weekend and that was because Nottingham Forest ran out 1-0 winners at Peterborough. We'll start with Peterborough. Uh, They were relegated, of course, to League One with this result. No matter what happened at Reading, they had to beat Forest to keep their slender hopes alive and unfortunately didn't manage to. In their last 10 games, George, they've been much improved under Grant McCann. I think we've all visibly seen it. They've picked up it, well, it's shown in the numbers as well. 11 points, which would have had them 16th in the Championship. And when you look at the goals scored and conceded column, that's really improved as well. 12 scored uh, and 19 conceded in that time, which is better at both ends of the pitch when they were conceding pretty much um, two or three goals a game consistently over like a 40-game season. So to be at 12 in terms of goals, which is much better, and seven and only 19 conceded is definitely better from this team to say how bad they were under Darren Ferguson. They've just ran out of time under Grant McCann. Um, I think they're well-positioned to lead them back up, I think. And I think of all the three relegated clubs, I would back them to do the best at this stage next season. Now, if Derby get their house in order, that would change. But at this time, at, on the 24th of April, I would say that Peterborough will finish the highest... Given the squad they've got and the manager they've got who of course won League One last time out with Hull City. They've got some young players as well that I like the look of who will be better for another year in, in the football league. Ronnie Edwards, obviously at centre back, Richie J. Jones, who's come into the the four more since McCann came into the club and, and since Christmas. And then you've obviously got the the proven goal scorers at sort of League One slash bottom half championship leveling. Clark Harris, Marriott, Smodics, pretty tasty front three if they can get them all on the pitch. So Peterborough relegated with no great surprise, but I think they've restored a lot more pride and they go down with a lot more positive energy than they would have if they hadn't have made that change to bringing Grant McCann.
1: Yeah, we'll never know. It's one of those things in football where hindsight obviously is such a wonderful thing and on, on the balance of it and what we've seen in the last few weeks, you would think maybe if they'd done it earlier, they might have given themselves a greater chance of staying up. But like you said there about, obviously Peterborough going to be playing League One football next season, the, the foundations are already there for Grant McCann to build something, to certainly give themselves the best crack of coming back at the first attempt. I think the thing that's most disappointing from a Peterborough perspective is the fact that they waited since 2013 to get back into the Championship. They'd waited eight years, eight, nine years. And to have gone straight back down at the first time of asking is is bitterly disappointing. Feels a waste, doesn't it? Only it team was. of
0: the three promoted to go back down as well. And as you say, I mean, we, we we did say constantly at the start of the season not that obviously hindsight's one thing. Darren Ferguson just didn't look equipped at this level, did he?
1: And obviously we said, didn't we, a few months later that we thought it was already got a, a three-year contract extension at the time. It was a really strange decision. And yeah, I understand it when obviously he got them promoted. They'd done a terrific job last season. They, they'd really done well. They scored a lot of goals and bossed things. But... Obviously, we know League 1 to the Championship, it's a big, big step up in a, in a different, uh, different Gulf of class at certain levels. So, I think for Peter, even though we've seen improvements, obviously, in the last three or four weeks, the the course of the season, they deserve to go down. There's no doubt about that. Conceded far too many goals, far too many defeats. So, it is a, it is a shame that it's just had to end this way where they've just started to come good kind of thing. It's just too little, too late. But, like I say, I think there's certainly foundations laid and building blocks in place to, to do something next season and possibly in a sense for Peterborough the fact that the likes of Johnson Clark Harris have struggled to live up to expectations in the Championship is probably going to boost their hopes of keeping hold of him because we've seen how deadly he is in League One at that level so hopefully in for Peterborough's point of view his not his misfailure, but his, his inability to live up to expectations shall we say could help them keep hold of him for next season so it's a shame that they've had to go uh, gone down at the first the first <clears> attempt, as I say, after so long of battling to get back into the championship. Ooh, they can have no complaints; they've not been good enough over the course of the season. Defensively, being absolutely horrendous, and it's cost them dearly. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I don't think they'll have to wait eight or nine years to get back this time.
0: No, not with Grant McCann at the helm, you
1: wouldn't expect so. From an Nottingham Forest
0: point of view, keeps the pressure on Bournemouth, as I say. Obviously, dropped two points in that battle. Just brilliant resilience and, and comeback. You know, you lose at Luton for the first time in a while. Could shake you. Straight back on the horse, back-to-back wins, back-to-back clean sheets. Still without Steve Cook and uh, Lewis Graben, who were both on the bench. Without, uh, without Jamal Lowe, Ron Lowe, Max Lowe, uh, who's still out injured full stop. Keenan Davis still injured as well, but St- Surridge coming through, stepping up. I have to say it was a sensational cross from Brendan Johnson, not only on the run, but on his weaker side as well. Uh, to put that right on the head of Surridge to head in. And now he's in double figures for goals and assists, Brennan Johnson.
1: Yeah, he's some talent, that boy, isn't he? He really is. He's destined for the very top. And I think if Forrest don't go up, I think he'll certainly be in the Premier League next season. There's so, so much talent about this young man. And he's the signs were there at Lincoln last season on loan where he was just beginning to catch people's attention. But now everybody knows who he is. And he's he's been absolutely... Terrific. There's no other words for it. He's been outstanding this season. He's been a joy to watch. and For me, he's probably been the player in the Championship that's probably caught my eye more than anybody, if, if being brutally honest. But as a collective, I mean, this was a potential banana skin for Forrest. Peter Roblesley was still a chance of staying up, even though it was it was slim. But they've, they've passed the test. Another clean sheet on the road. I think they've only conceded something like 12 goals away from home since Steve Cooper got the job something like that. It's a remarkable run that they've been on away from him. I think they've lost three times, three or four times on the road as well under him. It's just a case where you you just think Forest are going to just have a little bit of a dry spell or things are going to go wrong with the injuries that they've had recently in the last couple of games, but they just keep finding a way to win. And Obviously, when you're capable of doing that and grinding these wins out, obviously they had the setback of and they bounced back by thrashing West Brom, and then sneaked to... A narrow 1-0 win at Peterborough. It's those 1-0 wins that can, can be the most important come the end of the season. And obviously, Forrest are finding a way. And I know we debated it last week on the battle for the top two with them and uh, Bournemouth, obviously. Huddersfield still have a chance, but it's unlikely with the amount of games they've got left. They don't. But I I would not rule Forrest out at in bournemouths second spot, especially when they've still got to play each other. Obviously, Forrest, we record on Sunday night. Forrest got to Fulham next. That is a big test for Forrest and that, for me, will give a real indicator of where they're at. If they can win that one, then they definitely, definitely have to be considered as direct, uh, direct rivals to Bournemouth in, in the sense that they've got a genuine chance of catching them and beating them to that second spot. I suppose Bournemouth have done themselves a favour, not only in the
0: sense of getting a point to actually give themselves a point against Fulham, but also it means that Fulham are less likely to on the lash and completely out of it when they play Forest next week, which I'd not really thought, not really thought about that's until the thing, just then.
1: It? I mean, Fulham have got three games left. Obviously, they've got Forest on Tuesday night. Not quite sure. But they'll want to they'll wrap, wrap it up as soon, as, soon as they can. can. They will do. That's the thing. And they've got to go to Sheffield United on the final day. And that potentially could be a game where obviously the Blades have got to win. So, Fulham are going to keep their foot to the floor. They're going to want to get that title wrapped up as soon as they can. Obviously, minutes away from it on Saturday, but as we've seen from Forrest throughout this season, they're not to be underestimated by anybody. When you can give Liverpool and Arsenal a game as they did, they'll certainly give Fulham the best that they've got to offer.
0: Yep. Joining Peterborough United in League One next season will be Barnsley. They were relegated as well this weekend to the third tier of English football. And they have followed that up with the sacking of Poya Azbargi. Uh, Martin Devaney will take charge until the end of the season. In terms of uh, as Bargy first, five wins in 28 is a worse record than I realised when I had a look at the numbers. I thought it was a bit better than that. 17 defeats in there too, which is not ideal in, in all truth. um, I thought they'd stick with him for next season. I, I, I did, but it turns out there was a break clause in that contract. So it, it really is a mutual consent job for the first time where they've both sort of walked away from it. They showed some life in March, obviously, but it, it sort of turned out to be a flash in the pan and, now in April they've been pretty limp throughout and have they been relegated. It's been a weird season for Barnes obviously having finished fifth in the championship last season and losing to Swansea in the semi-final. I don't think anyone thought they'd get anywhere near that but they've been just abysmal really haven't they? They didn't replace Moa anywhere near well enough. Um, the shot was a disaster as Bargay's not had enough of an impact albeit I thought there was signs of life in March but that that sort of Petered out, didn't it? That's the thing. It petered out in in April, and they've gone down with a whimper. When you look at the squad, there'll be a few players in there that will probably think they they are good enough to be championship players. Which is probably because half of them played in the playoff team. When you think Carlton Morris, Coley Woodrow has been injured. Callum Styles has scored, obviously, a really good late consolation. They're better than League One, and I would I would probably agree with them. But they've Morris and Styles probably have Woodrow's not been great even when he's been fit. Morris has been the shining light, and Styles has as well. But the rest of that team, you like to have Helic and Anderson, they've just not stepped up and their form's fallen off a cliff, really. There's no there's no denying Barnsley deserved to go down. And Weirdly, if you'd asked me a month ago, who would be better equipped for the Championship? Barnsley, who were obviously fighting and looked pretty good under Asbargi or a pretty rudderless Peterborough. And then in a month, I think the energies between both clubs has completely flipped. And there's no doubt Barnsley deserved to be relegated in the end.
1: No, no complaints at all. And it's just it's such a shame because obviously we were obviously waxing lyrical about them so much last season where it was threatening to be one of the, the greatest championship shock success stories of all time and this season's just been an absolute car crash, hasn't it, from start to finish? Obviously the loss of Valerie Ismail, really popular figure, highly influential figure. Lost the captain, Alex Mowat. Then obviously came along Marcus Shop, complete unknown quantity. That failed miserably. Again, they went for an unknown quantity and it's failed again. So, Barnsley really now have to, they've got to make a decision for the long term now. They can't keep chopping and changing like they have. Obviously, Valerie and Ismail, they would have loved to have kept hold of. And obviously, it's unfortunate that West Brom came calling. Obviously, that didn't quite work out for him. So, Barnsley probably would have loved to have been able to to have convinced him to stay. but. I've just looked back at the predictions I made at the start of the season. I had Barnsley down for seventeenth, so I wasn't convinced they were going to replicate what they did last season. But I didn't think they'd be as bad as this. I really didn't. And obviously they've just been they've just been so so toothless, really, haven't they? They've not scored a lot of goals in games. And the daft thing is, compared to Peterborough, they've not been as vulnerable at the back. A lot of their defeats have been by one goal. they just they've not they've looked toothless up front, haven't they, all season? That's the thing. They've just looked flat in the final third. They've had nobody to really bang the goals in and create chances and it's it is a shame when you remember how obviously how close they were to achieving something so special less than 12 months ago. So it's a big big summer for Barnsley. I think it's it's obviously going to be one where there's bound to be interest in certain players in that team from championship clubs. I'm sure about that. Obviously they've got to find a manager, but for me obviously I doubt Barnsley'll do it with their track record and the way the owners operate, but I think the time has come for them to find an uh, somebody who knows English football inside out, technically an English manager, an experienced head and just try and knuckle down and obviously try and bounce back at the first attempt. But obviously, League One is already shaping up to be very, very difficult for next season already. Obviously, Derby have gone down. There's going to be at least two or three big clubs that aren't going to get promoted out of League One that are going to still be down there. So they've got to get things right in the summer if they want to have the best chance possible of bouncing back at the first attempt because as I say, it's looking like a very fierce battle in League One already next season. So it's going to be tough for Barnsley, there's going to be departures, there's going to be new players coming in, but obviously the most important factor with them is now they've got to find a manager and one that is the right fit with a long-term vision to bring some stability to that club. Because three managers in 12 months, it's not healthy and it's proven it with relegation. Yeah, absolutely.
0: The, the flip side to this, of course, is Huddersfield Town securing a playoff place, which is a fantastic achievement. I think we waxed plenty of lyrical about them last week on the podcast when it seemed to and near certainty they will get there. They now officially have. Uh, I like that they can win both ways, and I think they're going to be a force in this in this playoff race. I really do. Without Danny Warden and Solba Thomas, who's got a knee injury, which we don't know the full extent of, which fingers crossed from Huddersfield's perspective isn't too serious, um, and two encouraging goals from Jordan Rhodes in the last couple of weeks. A little bit like Jordan Rhodes of old, the a quick counter attack and a, an emphatic finishing fox in the box poacher header for this one, albeit a touch of fortune with the fact that. It was miles offside, but it flicked off the the Barnsley defender, therefore canceling the offside and letting him head into the net. I have to say, absolutely awful defending for the Harry Toffolo goal as well. It was given the, the the entirety of the 18-yard box to stick that one away uh, from to cross. That. Yeah, I like Sinani, You know, I think Sinani's probably season. one of. The more underrated good. players yeah. in the championship. I've really like i, I, I like hero, him. that Huddersfield team really. He's not even played every week as well, or not even know, played. He's, he's he tends to play. He tends to play when they're gonna dominate the ball a little bit more. But when oh I don't think he'll play loads in the playoffs, for example, but I really like him and I probably would have given him more game time. Maybe
1: well, he probably will play in the playoffs if so, but Thomas is injured, but we'll we'll see on that one. It's but he's a player I've enjoyed. Just been terrific for them, hasn't it, really? And like you say, Sonani it proves, and obviously I mentioned, didn't I, last week about Huddersfield lacking the lacking the flair players, even though obviously they've been so good this season collectively. But aside from probably O'Brien and, and Silva-Thomas, they've not really got your elite-level championship players, which I mentioned last week, but what an achievement for them to wrap that up with two games to go. Obviously automatic, it's not impossible, but highly unlikely, with obviously the the differences in fixtures left for the other teams around them. But still, whatever happens, go up or not, it's been a cracking season for them and they've been really enjoyable to watch. I watched the game on Friday night and they didn't really have to get out of second gear, really. But they were still a good watch and they played really well. And just a a stat to throw in, 12 months ago today, they lost 5-2 to Blackburn and were 20th in the table with two games left. 12 months later, third in the table with two games left. Quite the transformation like I said, Carlos Corberan is going to take time, but my word, he's proven his weight in gold.
0: Yeah, I think they call that an improvement. They certainly do. And in the race for sixth, George, there was two draws and one big winner, and that winner was Sheffield United. They beat Cardiff City 1-0 at Bramall Lane after two games without a victory. Um, with Borough and Millwall dropping points, really important United got over the line. No strikers in the starting 11. Again, Billy Sharp giving 20 minutes off the bench, but element and die stepped up with another big goal. Lovely, lovely, lovely cross from Morgan Gibbs-White. Absolute peach on his head. How many times have we said that this season? Morgan Gibbs-White, the difference from a creativity point of view with the Blades. A um, lot of rage reviews for Sander Burge in this one, um, showing why he was so heavily touted for a move this summer, which, in fairness, he's not done always, in my opinion. I'm not sure. I've not seen enough to say he's a £20 million midfielder. But I think on his day and the physical attributes he's got. He certainly is a elite-level championship midfielder that could probably cut it in the Premier League. Hit the post as well in the, the dying seconds. I just want to point out what was a, a really crucial point in the game, really, that the big save that Wes froderinger made when Max Waters ran for on goal, because you can imagine after losing against Reading at home, drawing away at Bristol City where they'd had plenty of chances but didn't pull the, put the ball in the back of the net, And then you go 1-0 down at home to a Cardiff City side who aren't... Well, if you're going to finish in the playoffs, you would expect to win against Cardiff at home. United have got no strikers fit. So imagine if they'd gone 1-0 down. So a big, big save from Fodderingham. Um, You'd imagine that if United are going to finish in the playoffs between now and the season, they're going to have to win games 1-0 or or tight margins. So can't really afford to be conceding sloppy goals like that would have been from the waters counter-attack. Crucial moment. Fodrigan's been a big player for them. Gibbs White's been a big player for them um, and it was sharp, absent. Illuminand and Dye stepped up and got the winner.
1: Yeah, brilliant goal as you said. Gibbs White doing what he's done all season long, being the architect-in-chief. He's been outstanding that lad, he really has. He's probably, for me, probably been one of the lone signings of the season by quite some distance. Been really, really impressed by him. For Sheffield United, as you say, priceless victory. Absolutely huge, especially with the others slipping up. It could be could be a real godsend for them that they found a way. And on paper, a one 0 home win against Cardiff, when you're going for the top six, is is nothing dazzling. But at this stage of the season, it doesn't matter how you get those points when you're fighting for the playoffs. And and the Blades found a way. Obviously, they've been really, really plagued by injury problems in recent weeks. Obviously, up front more than anywhere else, and their form has been a little bit up and down. There's no doubt about that. That was the first winning in four games. It was one that they desperately, desperately needed to win. And the fact that they've, only, I think they've only won two of the last six games now, it shows that the others have faltered to a point where they've not been able to capitalize on the on the Blades' stumbling. But obviously, two games left for United. They've got QPR away on Friday night, and then they've got Fulham at home on the final day of the season. Three points clear of Millwall, five in front of Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough game in hand. Obviously, Borough stuttering at the minute. I fancy Sheffield United to get the job done, but obviously it's it's far going to be from straightforward. The games that the other teams have got in hand, obviously Blackburn, obviously been in torrid form recently, but you can't can't count them out just yet mathematically. So I think I think if the Blades win one of the last two, I think that will be enough for them to do it. I really do. I was looking at the fixtures and who was left, and I found myself talking
0: myself into Middlesbrough, despite so the form. Games, they? Cardiff at home. Three left. Cardiff at home, Stoke at home and away at Preston, they're all winnable games. United have got QPR away, albeit QPR's playoffs hopes are done now, and Fulham at home. Depends what Beats. type of Fulham turn up. I, I feel more strongly that Middlesbrough could catch them than Millwall and we'll, we'll round up, although the draws will, you know, when we get to this stage of the it, season, think you know, draws between teams it. in and around the playoffs is more important than, than wins for those with nothing to play for. So we'll we'll sort of round up the results in here. I, I think United and Middlesbrough are the two that I, I think are best placed more than Millwall, despite Millwall probably. Well,
1: Borough, obviously, they've got to try and find a way to get back on track. So they've got a point at Swansea on Saturday, which on current form of both teams in recent weeks, probably a decent point for Middlesbrough. Really, I Swansea think there was a pivotal really sort
0: of moment in that game, wasn't there, where 40 seconds where Tavernier goes through at 1-0, big save by Fisher, and then... Swansea go down the other end, literally 40 seconds later. And it's a lovely little pirouette from Joe Pirro in the middle of the pitch to get around, um, I think it was Johnny Howson or one of the midfielders. And then, despite four players being around on Mefemi, it was just a finish of a man in confidence, you know, shrugged them off, got half a yard and it's, a, it's an emphatic finish. And I thought that just looked like, that, that move looked like two players in real form with Pirro and Noba Femi. And it'll be interesting to see how they develop next season as a partnership. Because over has been pretty emphatic since he's come into the team since Christmas. But from a Borough perspective, you think that goal goes in 2-0. Fine margins, isn't big it? Big moment.
1: It is a big moment. I'm just looking at the table now and analysing it and trying to work some maths out in my head. So Middlesbrough, as you've touched on, you think that obviously the three remaining games have got are a, are a decent opportunity to get maximum points from. Obviously, we know nothing's easy in the Championship, but you've got to think positive. I if think if you, I just league... think if
0: you'd offered Middlesbrough fans, at the end of the season, or even when Wilder took over, these are your three fixtures. You've got to win all of them. Do you take that? I think they would have took it, been in
1: that it's, position. It's a shame, isn't it? Because obviously they had such a good start. The home form was outstanding. Mm. And then they've had that four-game run where obviously they, they didn't score. I think it's five now without a win as well. So if they win their remaining three, they'd finish on 73. If United win one of their remaining two, the 72. So if the Blades win both, it's curtains obviously for everyone else. It's the injuries for so United. It's the injuries. To, as we record on, on Sunday evening, Middlesbrough have got to beat Cardiff on Wednesday night. That is a must win game. In fairness, Chris Wilder said as much didn't he? He said if they don't win that season, done. Degree of the sense. They have to win that game and then obviously Stoke at home at the weekend, not going to be easy. Stoke obviously on a good run at the minute. They're, they're coming along nicely at the end of the season. So there's no givens in that game. And obviously Preston have got a good home record. So it's going to be really interesting. Personally, I still fancy United to get the job done. I do think they'll find a way. And personally, I think with with obviously them playing Fulham on the final day, you would think on the balance of probabilities Fulham will probably the title wrapped up by then. They might be on the beach a little bit. And the Blazers' home form has obviously been terrific. And I think if we're in a situation on the final day where United need a point or a win to get the job done to confirm it. I think with the backing of the Bramall Lane crowd and that terrific home record of Paul Heckingbottom, I would fancy them. But obviously you can't you can't rule Millwall out just yet. Yeah, let's talk about let's 6. talk about
0: Millwall a little bit. Um I have to say results like the weekend is why I've doubted them for a lot of the season and probably not and given them the re- not given them the respect that some people would. They've got the 14th best away form. Or the well, sixteen first, whatever you want. It's not brilliant, but it's not the worst either. But they've only won five games in twenty-two away from home, nine draws. That's why I don't have. I didn't have the belief. I just think that there's too many draws in there away from home. They've got the second best home record. Only Fulham have got more points than them at home. But let's be fair. A 90th minute equaliser gets them a point. Um, and and pff, it, it probably papers over the, the the crack of a very poor performance at a pivotal point in the season. And I just don't think the away form is yeah. good enough for a top six side. And that's why I've always doubted them. I think Middlesbrough have got a better chance of catching United than Millwall do, despite Millwall's fixtures probably being a bit... Well, not more nicer than Middlesbrough, but I suppose Millwall are in better form than Middlesbrough. Still got to go to Bournemouth. Got to go to Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Bournemouth could well need something because if they could do. it stays at five points yeah, yeah. and Forrest could beat them potentially at the uh, the vitality before, they might need something. So I, I don't think, I think of those three teams, I, I would class Millwall as the least likely in my head because I just think they throw up. I know there's only three games left or two games left for Millwall. I think yeah. they throw up too many away performances or, or results like this where yeah, they, they just don't have the quality that I agree. a Borough does when they hit top form. where Borough can go and hit 4-0 at Peterborough, for example. I, I just don't... Yeah. I don't I don't have that belief in Millwall. I, and I know that's harsh and I know the stats I say otherwise, but it's just a gut feeling.
1: I think it is actually, and I'm just saying this off the top of my head, so Millwall fans, if it is wrong, forgive me. I think it's six away games without a win. So that does kind of typify why you've got your doubts. But at the same time in that run the run you lost once, it's the draws and we know Millwall are the draws, especially to the league. I don't think at this point season. of the season draws get you there. No, definitely not. Because it's it's a shame because their home form has been really, really good, especially since Christmas. They've been flying at home. But when you when you've taken two points away from Preston and, and Birmingham who have got nothing to play for it's a bad haul when you're going for the playoffs. When you think about it, early in the season, it's probably two solid away points for Millwall at that stage. But now, it could be what threatens to ruin them. So I think, I think Middlesbrough are certainly the biggest threat to the Blades. But if I'm to be honest and cast a prediction now, I do think United will hold on to that final playoff place and get sixth. So do
0: I. I think if you put a gun to my head and made me predict, but I just, do I just think-, think Borough. I think United will get there, but I think Borough. Will be closer. I so just we, think. Will be Staying in. I think so. I think. I don't think they'll go up. I don't think. I think the squad, injury wise, I think they will get. They'll get, they'll, they'll get there on adrenaline. I think. Um, but yeah, and we'll, we'll, well, we may as well look at Luton while we're here. Um, obviously, a one-all draw with Blackpool at uh, in the early kick-off on Saturday. I have to say the late goal should have stood. That is just not a foul. Cameron Jerome, really a judge to a judge to a foul. Richard Keogh, nothing in it. A lot of penalty appeals in this. That even I watched it back, and I, I'm struggling to have a definitive opinion on half of them. Josh Bowler, one bit clumsy, probably not. Uh, if VAR, right, if, if I'm VAR, for example, which we don't have in the championship, thankfully, I'm not sure any of them are clear and obvious errors that I would be overturning it either way. If he'd given it, I think, okay. And if he'd not, I I don't think any of them are howlers. I think probably the most likely one was the Adebayo one where he gets sort of hauled down. But he's got a bit of contact on the defender as well. I think they're all a bit inconclusive. Apart from, of course, the decision, as I say, at the end where Jerome was adjudged to a foul Really weird that the actual penalty that was given was weird because it looked like a penalty and it should have been a penalty. But if you actually watch, there's very little contact. He almost like trips himself up. But you also kind of think, well, it's a bit of a stupid track- tackle to make and he doesn't get any of the ball. So it kind of dives into it. It's one of those where if referees gave fouls for players in the area without you having to fall down, then it's a foul. But because you have to fall over, which is this weird rule that probably is the one thing I hate. If I could change one thing about football, it'd probably be that in terms of refereeing that for some reason, you have to fall to the floor to get a penalty. Why can't you just be fouled and stand up? Which Hamilton kind of had to trip himself up, but it would have been a foul. So, it is a penalty, but it looked weird on the replays. It was a dive and a penalty, I think, which is a weird way of summing it up. Um But yeah, one-all draw.
1: Stage
0: yeah, one-all draw is enough for Luton, I think, at this stage. I think that we'll get there. They've still got such horrific injuries, haven't they? So I, mean, I think they'll got get a there. Six
1: point cushion to Millwall. Millwall would have to win both games, and they'd have to overturn a goal swing of eight, and hope that Luton lost the last two, just to finish on equal points with them. If have Luton you, got the t- have them, you got
0: the table in front of you?
1: I have. What? How many points are Luton on? Luton on seventy-two. Millwall is sixty-six. Yeah, Mil- uh, Middlesbrough would have to win all three games. And Borough, Borough sixty-four. So Borough would have to win all three. And Luton To not- move just a point ahead of Luton, obviously. Luton I lost think both games. I think, I think Luton were there. I said last week after the uh, Easter Monday games that Luton were there. Convinced of it. But honestly, if I was to name the six now, not in any order, it'll be Huddersfield, Forest, Luton United. So I think it will be as it is now. Hmm. Unless, obviously, Forest can pull something out of the bag and that battle with Bournemouth goes on. If it is those four in the playoffs that I've said there... I am still standing by. I think Forest to get the job done.
0: I I'll go further. I'll say it'll be a hot Forest Huddersfield final, and Hot Forest yeah, will win.
1: I could see that because obviously, at the minute, Forest play Luton, Huddersfield would play the Blades. Yeah, I think Forrest a full
0: Hudders- stretch, full strength Sheffield United would be an interesting match, but they just not mm. gonna have anyone fit. I
1: think if it if it was to be a Huddersfield Forest final, no disrespect to Luton, I think it would be the right to make in the final who deserve it most. But obviously, who knows? We we could be saying this in two weeks' time and we could be ready for Bournemouth in the playoffs and Forestry won up automatically. Who knows? But I'm sticking with that in the sense that United, I think, will finish in the top six. I think Middlesbrough will miss out. I just can't see them winning their remaining three. Really can't on current form.
0: Three games that mean very little in the grand scheme of the championship. Stoke won QPR nil. Uh, It's five wins in six now for Stoke. And we said... Probably seven or eight games ago that Stoke as many as much as anyone needed a good end to the season to sort of reinvigorate hope that Michael O'Neill could turn this ship around. I think five wins in six, playing a lot more Stoke-like, and the sort of performances and wins that got us thinking they might challenge the top six at the start of the season. Back to back one nils um in the last two games, both thanks to Jacob Brown goals. It's the end of the season they really needed, and Michael O'Neill needed I would be tempted to give in the summer to reshape the squad for a third time, and just, I just not sure. They keep spitting out good managers, so maybe, maybe he gets another season for me. I think I would give him another season for QPR. Their playoff hopes are done. Uh, in fairness, Kieran Westwood kept Stoke at bay for longer than most goalkeepers might have, and it will be very interesting to see what they do in the summer uh, if Mark Warburton stays or signs a new contract and where they go from there. I think both of these clubs could have disastrous summers where we're talking about them this time next year and they've finished 15th, either of them, or vindicated in their decisions to keep or get rid of their managers and they've finished in the playoffs.
1: Well, it just goes to show, doesn't it, that pulling the trigger at the first sign of trouble doesn't always work. Michael O'Neill has turned things around. And I've seen a few Stoke fans saying, yeah, what's the point at this stage? But
0: I do think there they, is a part they, of that. It is easier to they, play they, when be, the pressures they'd
1: off. If the, they'd be whinging if the run had continued. Mm. So it doesn't stack up for me. In recent weeks, yeah, it's come at the wrong time. They've got greater aspirations for this season. But in recent weeks, they've shown that they are capable of playing some good stuff. The form of Jacob Brown has obviously been terrific. He scored again at the weekend. He's in red-hot form right now. And, it makes you wonder do they do they use him as the focal point to build around for next season? I mean, Lewis Baker's had a terrific time since coming in January. I'd is be good, building around Jacob good Brown. Quality players there. Nick Powell obviously did come back. He's obviously still a very gifted player. There is there is building blocks in place for Michael O'Neill to build upon. And he's proven throughout his managerial career, both at international level and at club level, that he is a good manager. And I still stand by that QPR should stick with Mark Warburton. Yeah, things have turned sour in recent weeks. It's been a really, really poor run. But at the end of the day, the positives of what he's done during his time at QPR significantly outweigh the negatives. So I just think it is time for a lot of clubs, not just clubs in the Championship. There's too many clubs these days that just... They act the manager at the first sign of trouble and the alternative quite often, can, can be no better. In some cases, it can be worse. And, I mean, prime example, I mean, going back years from experience, Sheffield Wednesday, when they sacked Carlos Cavalli for Yosla Hukai. look how that turned out. It was a disaster. So it proves that the grass isn't always greener. So for me, QPR, they certainly have to stick with Mark Warburton for next season. Stoke, definitely have to stick with Michael O'Neill. But the summer for both clubs very, very important.
0: Definitely. I think the recruitment of both clubs will be fascinating, who they may be cashing on, particularly for QPR, um, more so than Stoke. And where Stoke build around? I'd like, I want to see 4-3-3 with Jacob Brown down the middle and um, Tyrese Campbell coming off the right. That's what I'd like to see with Lewis Baker pulling the strings in central midfield mm. and maybe Nick Powell bombing on uh, for another season. So we'll see where they go. Another game which turned out to be pointless, but could have not been, in Hull City 3, Reading 0. Reading in quite typical fashion to sum up their season, have secured safety by other teams not winning rather than them actually helping themselves, <laughs> which probably is a little bit harsh on the end of season form because they have been better under Paul but it's just been um, a pretty pitiful race between those four teams to see who could be the least shit and stay up, if I'm being completely honest. And Hull City, of course, um, a really good performance for them. And that's not been the case usually at home. Their best performance recently, certainly since uh, Shota Avaladzi came in, have been away from home. So, pl- pretty pleasing for the home crowd to see a couple of really good finishers from Keen Lewis Potter. The first emphatic with his left foot, and the second also with his left foot, a composed finish whilst running through on goal. And then I thought the second one, the one in the middle, the, the Alfie Jones goal, summed up Reading's season pretty much. Sloppy defending, couldn't deal with a set-piece uh, and a pretty comfortable 3-0 scoreline. But Reading have stayed up. They probably shouldn't have been in that position. They have had a points deduction, which I think does get forgotten about. But nonetheless, I don't know where that club's going to be in twelve months' time.
1: I, 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 I don't. I don't. In all honesty, know, right, it's a hard one to call, isn't it? It really is. But at the end of the day, Paul Ince has achieved his brief. It's been he has accomplished. He's kept them in the championship. Yeah, you he, he can argue that he's been given a helping hand by Peterborough and Barnsley for the large part being poor in the last few months. But Reading have had some good results in there, obviously. The win at Sheffield United, the standout one, they battled back from 4-1 down against Swansea on Easter on Easter Monday. So it's proven that there's been character in that squad and they've not folded and collapsed. And They've just had a bad day at the office at the weekend because in retrospect, in the last few weeks, they've, they've been pretty good, to be fair. They've not lost many games, really, and ticking along nicely for the circumstances they've found themselves in. Still stand by the opinion that Paul is, isn't the man for the long term. Massive summer lies ahead for that club. But he's gone in there and achieved what he was instructed to do, which was to keep Reading in the Championship. So they've done it. A couple of games to spare, so they'll be able to breathe a little bit more easy on the training ground this week in in, um, preparation for their game at the weekend against West Brom. So it's just about looking ahead to the summer now as they're getting through these next two games, trying to end the season the best way possible, nothing to play for and prepare for potentially their biggest summer in uh, quite a number of years.
0: Most definitely. And then finally, Derby won Bristol City 3. Uh, Bristol City unbeaten in 4, which had actually snuck up on me a little bit. I think having the the, the strike force reunited of Semenyo, Chris Martin and Vyman after Semenyo's recent injuries, I think that's definitely obviously helped with that. And I thought Derby, obviously I had them for my banker. Did I have them my banker or my shock? I had them for one. Yes, for me, your banker. For my banker. And I just thought that the emotion of Pride Park of being relegated would would. Help them, and especially when you think that Derby have only, cons- only lost three games at home this season prior to the weekend. But in fact, it was the exact opposite. where the players just looked drained, and the emotion of them dragged them down. You could see that with the errors. Richard Stearman's error was pretty poor, which lets which so many, in fairness, capitalized on brilliantly. Excited to see to where nice he goes. Did well, didn't he? Yeah, I'm. In- I'm Brilliant intrigued goal. to see how he develops next season. I think it's probably a summer too soon right, for for a potential suitor to come and buy him, unless someone like one of the newly promoted club goes up. I I would like to see him have another year in the Championship with Bristol City and really develop. I don't think if I was Semenya, I don't think I'd be jumping ship from Bristol City for another Championship club. I think, unless it's one of the recently relegated ones, um, I think I would be holding out, have another season at Bristol City and get a move maybe to the Premier League.
1: case of another club with a massive summer ahead, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's hard to predict what they could be next season. But they've got
0: goals. They've got goals in them, which was yeah, probably the one thing that they it. thought they were missing. But Viman again, adding to his Chris, tally. Yeah, uh,
1: chipped in with a few, has not he, now? More again.
0: than we'd have expected and um, closer rounding off yeah. the victory. So, I thought this would be a one where derby. The emotion sort of galvanised them to finish the season strong. It did the exact opposite. The players just looked drained and dead and that's totally understandable with the season they've had and the emotion, the turmoil they've been through. So, I wouldn't bank on Derby picking up another point this season based on this performance. And that's not a slight at all. I just think they look drained. when Rooney also rotated the team massively and put some more youngsters in because he's going to need them next season. So why not blood them now? Um, but yeah, Derby just totally understandably, but mentally drained and totally understandably so. And we went through all the draws whilst talking about other parts of the table, apart from West Brom nil, Coventry nil, uh, a rare, very rare call and penalty missing stoppage time. Um, keeping this one level, Ben Wilson coming up with the goods. Two teams going into the summer, it feels with in very different trajectories. Steve Bruce confirmed this week that he's staying at West Brom next season. I'm not necessarily sure that's a good thing.
1: <laughs> it's a difficult one to weigh up because I know I'm repeating myself, but it's another club with a massive summer that lies ahead. And that's going to be the Steve title Bruce. of this podcast. It is massive summer ahead, but no, Steve Bruce. I mean, obviously, his reputation has been heavily impacted by that spell at Newcastle, and obviously, things didn't end well at Aston Villa, and obviously, Villa fans it ended sour with them. I just think, I just think, when you 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 get a manager in
0: that's like meant to have retired, and you bring him in, do you want him to be doing a rebuild? I understand bringing him till the end of the season, but he packed in. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You wouldn't bring Neil Warnock back on a three-year contract, would you? I'm sure he might come back into management. Don't get me wrong, but it'll be a job till (laughs) the end of the season. They're not going to bring him him in on a two-year deal.
1: Barnsley could do worse than getting Neil Warnock finished. Oh, the they season. could. Just give him a twelve the, month and the, get him back. Right.
0: Exactly, but they but, gave Steve Bruce eighteen months, so I'm giving him retired yeah. essentially. I just, I just find it weird you want yeah. him doing your rebuild. I see what
1: you mean. I see what you mean. I think he's deserved deserved a chance. Admittedly, I think he's not had the impact he would have hoped for, but in amongst it all, there's been a few decent results here and there. They've beaten Fulham, they've beaten Bournemouth, so it's proven that he, had, he is capable of getting a tune out of them. Well, obviously a, massive, once a once rebuild for games. Project. massive rebuild project lies ahead for them. But his experience, we know that, and he's not got a bad dab hand in the transfer market. No, in the I, would, I will give him that. He is I will capable, of, I will he is them capable them. of unearthing a gem or two and things like that. So I think he deserves an opportunity. The rot had set in long before he came along. So just got to see how he gets on over the summer, see what happens for West Brom. I can see both sides of the argument to this one I really can but for me I think he deserves the chance see what he does and probably assess it probably October November time see where they're at so for many clubs this this summer it's it's enormous in terms of rebuilding projects and for West Brom it's probably one of the bigger ones because obviously they've got big players big wages and quite a few of them as well not out of contract as well so they've got big things to shift on and change the dynamic there but it's going to be interesting for us uh, us as neutrals to keep a close eye on
0: This is the Championship Chat Podcast. We round
1: off this week's podcast
0: now with our Shocks and Bankers heading into the penultimate weekend of the season, George. How has that crept up on us already? Match day Um. 45 coming up. What have you got as your second to last shock and Banker of the season?
1: Well, in terms of a banker this weekend, I'm going to go with Blackpool at home to Derby. Blackpool have been pretty good at home this season. Obviously, thumped Birmingham in the last home game. Derby, obviously, torrid away from home. So, Really struggling to see anything other than a home win for Blackpool. In terms of a shock at the weekend, struggled to predict one for this, but I'm going to go brave, I'm going to go bold, and I'm going to go with the early kickoff on Saturday. I'm going to go for Barnsley to beat Preston. Obviously, Pueyrrhoz has gone. Obviously, they've got nothing to fight for now, but you never know in those situations. Teams get a little bit of a bounce when a manager's gone and a new, new man comes in, albeit Martin Devaney, I think it is temporarily for the rest of the season. So you never know. So I'm going to go for Barnsley and Shock against Preston. My banker is Blackpool to beat Derby at home. Blackpool's home
0: form very good. Derby's away form very bad. And I think with Wayne Rooney changing the side around quite a bit, as I've just touched on, um, I think that that will be a home banker for Blackpool. And then my Shock is Reading to beat West Brom at home because I don't think either of these clubs have got they're both a bit rudderless and I think they'll both play out a bit of end of season fun potentially at the the car leasing stadium so I'm going to go for Reading to beat West Brom who are very poor away from home as well it must be said and Reading saved their best performances for, for the home games generally speaking that's where they picked up most of their points so Blackpool to beat Derby and Reading to beat West Brom and that marks the end of this week's Championship Chat podcast if you do enjoy the pod please make sure you subscribe in your usual podcast app And make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at champchatpod24. And sharing the podcast helps go a long way to helping us reach new listeners. So if you do enjoy the weekly breakdowns every week, please do drop us a retweet when the episodes go live. You can support this podcast as well with our Ko-Fi page, contributing the cost of a cup of coffee towards our monthly overheads on a one-off basis. The link to donate is in our podcast description if you do feel so inclined. Have a great week. Some big games coming up in midweek as well as people catch up on their games in hand. And we'll go through it all, all again, once again, next Monday on another episode of the Championship Chat Podcast. This is the Championship Chat Podcast. Your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier.